hand to, as we read uh, God's scripture from the book of Philippians chapter 2, we've uh, begun in the book of Philippians a couple weeks ago and we'll be finishing up in about two more weeks. And as we come to this scripture from chapter 2, verses 1 through 18, I'll be reading it from the New International Version. The words will also be on screen. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, and then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul tells the Philippians that they should be joyful. How does that make you feel? Does that make you want to be a little bit grumpy or to rejoice with him? Everybody's a little bit different when someone tells them, you should be joyful. And Paul seems pretty sure that he is rejoicing over them and that they too will rejoice with him. Now, what should they be joyful about? Well, it seems like they should be joyful in suffering, and we've covered that over the past few weeks in the book of Philippians, how Paul writes uh, of his prison sufferings to this church that has suffered too. He thinks that they should be joyful just like he is, because this suffering However it works out, whether it leads to death or to glory, it will serve to spread the good news. Now, the other reason that Paul rejoices, as we'll see in a bit, has to do with Jesus. And there's something about Jesus Christ that brings joy to Paul's life. And then finally, we'll see the third reason that Paul rejoices or hopes to rejoice about, which is the unity of the church. 
That's what this section of Scripture is mainly about. But the curious thing is that all of Paul's references to unity throughout this letter is that they're not very heavy-handed. He, he's quite subtle about it. He sticks an all in here and a, a one in there. But it's clear that unity is both a goal and a reality in this congregation in Philippi. Now, the Philippians were divided as a church, like many churches are. Some, some people say wherever one or two are gathered, there's two different churches Uh, Otherwise, why would Paul spend so much time emphasizing this need for unity? Maybe they weren't the most conflict-broken church, but they have their share of grumblers and complainers. In a little bit, we'll see that Paul calls out uh, two people, Euodia and Syntyche, in chapter 4, and pleads that they be of one mind. They have proud personalities and people who butt heads all the time. And they probably have conflict over the direction of the church. Where is God leading us? What is God calling us to do and be in the world? How can we grow? Uh, Who needs to be in charge, Jews or Greeks? And how should we live together? And in all of this, Paul pleads for unity. In the introduction to the letter in chapter 1, he writes the word, all of you, five times. He's writing to the whole church, all of God's holy people in Philippi, and he prays for all of them, and he feels strongly about all of them, and he knows that all of them share in God's grace with him, and he longs for all of them in this Christ-like way. And yet all of them are suffering. And one of the things that they seem to suffer from is this lack of unity. And that's why Paul encourages them to work together as one for the sake of the gospel. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, it's always good to pop back a few verses and see what is going on. Well, this chapter 2 begins with therefore. So if you go back, you see in just the previous bit, he's talking about how they need to be standing firm in one spirit, united together as one in the faith of the gospel without being frightened about the suffering and the persecution that they might face, one for Christ. And when Paul has a a strong relationship with the church, like he does in this friendly letter with the Philippians, he doesn't get all harsh and negative on them. He, He doesn't tell them they're wrong. No, he gently encourages them. He points them in the right direction. He points out the good things they are already doing, and he asks them to do just a little bit more of that. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to point out some wrongdoing when he sees it, and Paul certainly does that in other letters. But Philippians here shows this kinder, gentler side of Paul. It's like that old saying, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And what the saying means is that encouraging good behavior is usually more effective than punishing unwanted behavior. I mean, parents and teachers know this very well. You try to notice and praise what the child, the student is doing well. You, you thank the child for doing a good thing. And if necessary, obviously, there, there are limits to this approach. An emergency, a, a moment where the child might hurt themselves badly it requires swift action. It requires correction. Or, or sometimes a child is blinded by their own emotions and needs help calming down before any other approach might work. And in the same way, the church today struggles with divisions like the church in Philippi, questions about how do we interpret Scripture? How do we apply that to our culture and our lives today? How do we live out our faith in the public sphere? The, the, the gathering of Christian Reformed churches began on Friday, and they're looking to address some of those key questions about unity. How do we continue to be a binational Canadian-American church in this increasingly complicated world of borders and laws and politics? 
How do we remain faithful to Scripture in the area of human sexuality? And our congregation over the past year has struggled with questions like those. How do we care for one another during a pandemic? How do we reach out to our neighbors? How do we be faithful to Jesus Christ in this rapidly changing culture in northern Michigan that we find ourselves in? How do we keep our focus on the good news of Jesus Christ when all peoples are living in, in, in this particular place, in this particular country? And where is God leading us as a church in the coming years, in the next generation? And all of these are really important questions. And all of them, the unity of the church is essential. And that's why I've chosen to end my time here in Ellsworth with this study on the book of Philippians. Because Paul is encouraging them and challenging them to be united. He says, you are united, so be one. You've seen the joy, now rejoice. And for Paul, this unity always begins and ends with Jesus Christ. That's why he starts out chapter 2 with these four if statements. Although it might be more accurate to translate them as uh, since. As in, since you already do these things, then also do this. See, Paul means this as an encouragement, but also as a challenge. He says, since you have encouragement from being united in Christ, uh, since you have comfort from his love, since you have a common sharing in the Spirit, that's the koinonia fellowship that he mentioned in the previous chapter, and since you have tender hearts and already are acting with compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love and being one heart and one mind and doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Notice how each of those four if statements matches up with one of Paul's desires or goals for them. Being united with Christ means being like-minded. Having received comfort from Christ's love, then share that same love. Since you have koinonia in the Spirit, be of one spirit and of one mind. And since you have tender hearts and compassionate actions, do nothing selfishly or proudly. Be humble like Jesus. And that's when Paul breaks out in this song to Jesus Christ, this hymn uh, about who Jesus is. And at first, as you read it, you might think that he's saying, be like Jesus, imitate his example. And yes, that is part of it, but there's a bit more to it than that. He says, have the same mindset of Jesus. And then he quotes this beautiful hymn or this poetic liturgy that the church might have used at communion. It's a bit like quoting Amazing Grace or Psalm 23 in a sermon. It's something that almost everyone knows by heart and loves. It tells the story of Jesus, this hymn does, from beginning to end, from creation to incarnation to the cross to glory. And the story of Jesus, this story of salvation, is the story of what God has done in Christ, and that is what makes church unity possible. And Paul uses this hymn to make a point about the unity of the church. Now, I wish I could go into every single line of the hymn. This scripture has been one of my favorites for many, many, many years. And it has one of the deepest pictures of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus has done. But I'll give you a quick summary. Jesus Christ existed before everything was made, one with God, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, in this mystery that we call the Trinity, one God in three persons. And Jesus did not grasp or hold on to or exploit his godliness to do whatever he wanted. No, that was the temptation that the devil fell for and that Adam fell for in the fall. 
No, instead, he fulfills what it means to be the triune God, a self-giving love that pours out into all creation. And he gives himself. He empties himself, Paul says. He makes himself nothing. He becomes human. He becomes a servant. He becomes the suffering servant. And he is obedient to death, even to death on a cross. And because of this, God has raised him up to the highest place, uh, to, uh, and, and Jesus Christ is Lord, and it is this name that is above every other name, and every other Lord that the Philippians know and call on. Jesus Christ is Lord, not Caesar. Jesus Christ is Lord, and one day every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, all for the glory of God the Father. And that's where Paul drops another, therefore, Therefore, because of what Jesus Christ has done, therefore, this is how it matters to your lives. The the first thing he said was back in the beginning of the chapter, pointing to their need for unity in, in the time of suffering. And this one points forward to how they should live together. Therefore, like Christ, obey. Obey with humility. Obey Christ even if Paul isn't there, which he isn't and probably won't ever be able to visit them again. Obey Christ because you are one body. You are working together as part of Christ's salvation story. And verse 12 is often quoted out of context. uh, Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And this verse is not about your individual salvation. No, it's about all y'all's salvation, says Paul. This is about all of them working together in awe and reverence for what God has done in Jesus Christ. And verse 13 makes it even clearer, for it is God who works in them to do and to will and to obey, to work out God's purposes and fulfill them for God's glory. It all points back to Jesus. And the therefore continues into their daily lives. Paul says, don't grumble. Don't complain like the Israelites did in the desert when they rebelled against God. Be united in God's mission. Don't argue with one another. And possibly he's referring to some outbreak of lawsuits within the church in Philippi where they were taking one another to court instead of working things out in community. And all this, he says, is for the glory of God, just like what Jesus Christ did. You will shine like the stars in the heaven, he says. You will be exalted. You will show people what Jesus is like when you are one. And Paul includes himself in all of this too. He hopes that his work among them has not been in vain. That that he sees himself as part of this beautiful sacrificial image with them. How his life is being poured out like a, a, a liquid offering at the foot of the altar. And their service and sacrifice in faith is on the altar itself. And that is ultimately why Paul can rejoice. Even at the brink of death. And so should they. Because joy is at the end of it, and that is the way of Christ. And in the same way, those who are in Christ Jesus, those who find themselves in this creation story of Jesus and all he has done in his salvation, we are united with Christ. And we can rejoice when we are united with Christ Jesus, when we are pointed in the direction of Jesus. Are you pointed in the direction of Jesus. Does your life at every moment keep yourself pointed in that way so that in unity and faith you are united in the salvation purpose of God? Hear yourself in Paul's words to the Philippians from the message paraphrase. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community, being in community with the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, 
If you care, then do me a favor. Agree with one another. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. And don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And after the, the Christ hymn, he, then he gets around to the application and he says this, do everything cheerfully and readily. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people a glimpse of what good living and of, of the living God and carry this life-giving, light-giving message into the world, into the night, so that I'll have a good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. Paul says, you will be living proof that I didn't go through all of this for nothing. And this goes for the Philippians as much as it goes for us. Because of what Christ has done, because we are in Christ, we are already one. And so live like it. Be united in Christ, because to live otherwise is to deny what he has done for you, for all of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, your, your story made known in Jesus Christ is a story that brings us to awe and wonder at who you are before creation and how your love pours out into the world, into salvation, into grace. And we want to live our lives shaped by Christ, being found in him and rejoicing in him in all we do. We pray that wherever our lives are crooked and off track, that you set us straight and point us towards the true north, towards Jesus Christ. That wherever we've been shining dimly or darkly, that your light may shine forth through us and that people may see Jesus Christ revealed. We pray that we may be people who are faithful to your word, that people will see Jesus and that through him we may be united as one, as the church, as your body in the world. We pray, that, pray for unity and unity that is focused on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Unity that is centered on him, that we may always proclaim Jesus Christ's name forever, for your glory, O Father. We pray this in, in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we respond to God's word, we, we come to sing a, a version of this Christ hymn in Philippians 2, a song called Meekness and Majesty that speaks of what Jesus has done for us. I invite you to rise in